This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. Great reader question just came in the inbox. It's from a guy called Absurd Nihilist. He said, was today's result the football gods yelling, ball don't lie to Brad Allen? Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe this was the final destination of that game. It was like, okay, you know what? Lions will get there. They will get there. Um, I, I'm going to spend most of the time today, sorry guys, on the Cowboys, but I'm going to give, I'm going to open and close with the Lions. Because, I mean, part of this directly ties into Mike McCarthy. Because, and, and I'm sorry to sound like a broken record on some of these things, but my worldview with Dan, Dan Campbell is I spent a long time with him in his office when he first took the job. And I've never seen anyone have more passion for a job, for a new employer, frankly, um, for a fan base than Dan Campbell in month one of training camp, his first training camp. And I think a lot about he in our meeting choked up thinking about the housing crisis there, the auto industry, um, all of the things that have befallen Detroit sort of concurrently with the Lions being bad. And he'd had this idea when he was a player there, just what winning in Detroit would look like. And he said, he said, oh, he would think, oh my God, oh my God, what would winning in Detroit look like? And he, he said, and he's from small town Texas, and he saw a lot of parallels. He said it was just, you know, Texas with different accents as far as hard work, football, family, all, all of that stuff, right? And he said he felt their pain. And listen, maybe I'm just getting suckered into this. And if he took the Arizona job or something, he would have had the same shtick about how much he loves Old Town Scottsdale. Maybe, I, I, maybe I'm the sucker. But I don't think so. Because I think we've seen that he lives that passion and players buy into that. Players see a fraud over and over and over again. They can identify them within five seconds and they pounce. Players do not see much fraudulent or anything fraudulent with Dan Campbell. At least the ones who are still there and have bought in. And I think that is the one thing that's very hard to scout for. Mike McCarthy lied about having watched every single game from the Cowboys. That's it, from the year before he was hired. And we know this because he said that. He said he told Jerry he watched every single snap, and then he, once he had the job, said, oh, by the way, I didn't, I didn't do that. So you get exposed in this industry pretty quickly. And... I think that like one of the best interviews I've ever heard was an actor on Marin a couple years ago. And he was getting rave reviews for a play and wasn't getting bigger roles off. So he's talking to his acting coach and he was like, what's going on? Here? There's a disconnect. Everybody loves me in this play, not getting bigger roles in it, not getting, not getting the, the bump I thought I would. And his acting coach said, do you love the role? So what do you mean? It's like, do you love the role? Do you love the play? Do you love the play you're in? Do you love the people you're in? Do you love the theater? Do you love the fans? Whatever. Do you love this thing? And he's like, no, it's just like a good role and I'm, I'm, I'm good at it. And he's like, well, then people can tell. People are going to pick up on that and they're going to tell. And you're going to get, you're, you're just not going to get what you thought because you don't love it. And I think what Dan Campbell proves is that, and this is something I talked about a little bit with, with, uh, with Mike Tomlin actually yesterday. People were saying, oh, is Mike Tomlin going to walk away? Like, Mike Tomlin loves coming to work every day and being Pittsburgh Steelers head coach. And I think Dan Campbell is also an embodiment of that. And, and I think that if I were to ask you, like, Dan Campbell could not be more all in. And I'm going to get into the football stuff here in a second. But, like, 
he knew what the identity of the team should be. He knew to be strong on the lines, to believe in players who maybe didn't have a lot of belief in them, Jared Goff being number one, to empower his assistant coaches. Ben Johnson said the best thing I've ever heard about a coach. He said, I don't have to get yelled at by Dan Campbell because just knowing I disappointed him would crush me the most. And that's culture. That is culture right there. And that's all you need to know. Let me ask you a question. So I talking about identity, talking about what, what Dan Campbell's all about. What is Mike McCarthy all about? Like, does Dak Prescott know what Mike McCarthy is all about? Um, because I think in Detroit, they can tell you that immediately. Um, I'm pretty sure the Lions are going to the NFC title game because they're going to beat the winner of Eagles Bucks. And they will join a massive list of teams who have played the NFC title game or the AFC or an NFC title game since the Cowboys did. Um, the Cardinals and the Panthers have been multiple times since the Cowboys and the other side of, of the league. The damn Jaguars have been, I believe, at least once um, since the Cowboys. They've been there twice in total, but I think that they may, may have been there the last time. The may have been the same year the Cowboys were there last time. Anyway, the Cowboys are good enough to be in this huge game is bad enough to get embarrassed in them, but they cannot even get embarrassed in the NFC title game. They're not even that good. They're a different level of bad because there's a, there's a, there's a cut of bad where you say, okay, uh, we're going to be, we're going to be jets bad, or we're going to be Jaguars bad, or we're going to be Cardinals bad. And we're just not, we're going to, you know, make a playoff run every six years and can't fix our quarterback situation revolving door coaching ownership doesn't know what it's doing all this stuff you're a different level of bad when you make the playoffs every single year and by the way yes it is a small sample size in playoff games but if it keeps happening over decades it becomes a larger sample size the reason you can make the playoffs and not advance is one of two things either you get there on coaching and don't have the talent or you have the talent and you have nothing else Beyond that, or you have other things affecting everything, which the Cowboys do. The Cowboys are not all about football. Go to one of their training camps and you will see post-practice, uh, random celebrities, like media access is insane. Um, you just kind of grab guys off the field. Like it is a completely different setup than any other camp in the league. But that's that's not why. That's not that specific thing. What happens in Oxnard, California is not why the Cowboys win and lose games. The reason the Cowboys win and lose games is because they have the talent and nothing else. And the reason I know they're fine with it is because otherwise they would change it. It's like new Simpsons episodes, right? That's another sort of franchise has been going for 20 years past its expiration date. No one seems to want to improve the product because everything seems to be uh, humming along to their desires. They don't need anything if, if they wanted to get better, they would. Both cases. Dak Prescott is now 2-5 and five in his playoff career, tied for lowest postseason quarterback win percentage in the Super Bowl era. Minimum five starts. I'll give you five seconds to figure out who he's tied with. You're not going to get... You know what? You're not going to get both. One, two, three, four, five. Alex Smith and Billy Kilmer. Did not see Billy Kilmer coming. Alex Smith makes a little bit of sense. Dak Prescott is better than both of those guys. Um... But Alex Smith, by the way, amazing career, not knocking him. Um, Cowboys first. <laughs> I love this this Chase Stewart number. 
Cowboys are the first team since the 2019 Ravens to win 70% of their games and lose their first playoff game, obviously their only playoff game, by 16 or more points. Um, the Baltimore one was even worse. I mean, that was just, that was brutal. Barton one I talked about the other day. I, I, I just couldn't believe that, and I've been stung by the, the by that ever since because I was all in on the, on the Ravens that year. Um, but I think that there's a, it is the most reductive thing in the world and the stupidest thing in the world to just say, okay, the problem is Jerry Jones because a couple things. Number one, ownership is the problem in most places. This is not a new thing. What I will say is that ownership is, is the reason you can't have a hard reset. If you're that involved, it's the reason you can't have a hard reset. It's the problem. You can't have a total overhaul after a loss like this. And by the way, everybody was saying, I, I said there should be a total overhaul, blah, blah, blah. And people were saying, well, they've won 12 games three years in a row. This That's not the point of this sport. That should not be the point of this sport. The point of the sport is to, is to win more than just the 12 games. You shouldn't get – like I, I hate this all the time where someone says it's like the electoral college thing. It's like, well, we could have done this and this. Like, no, 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 no. The rules are set up to where you get a trophy if you do this. So don't do the other thing and then just say, well, we had a successful season. No, no, you, you try to win the Super Bowl and get close to it by winning playoff games. That's how this works. So do not argue with me about uh, whether or not there needs to be a total overhaul. Now – that doesn't mean, so that means in coaching, that means in mentality, that means in your entire setup, how you practice, how you do anything, keep guys healthy, whatever, overhaul that. I would keep the personnel guys, and by the way, let's, let's, let's back up here, okay? They're not changing Jerry Jones being involved in everything, and it's an absolute daydream for you to think like, well, Belichick would come in. And they would hand over the keys to Belichick and then Jerry Jones would go away. That's just not happening. Jerry Jones has said many. Jerry Jones wouldn't do it with Jimmy Johnson, who was winning him Super Bowls. You think now he's going to do it because, what, he's a little bit older? Like, I, I just don't think they're not changing. This is the whole scorpion and the frog thing. That's his, it is his nature. That's where he is. You can win a Super Bowl with Dak. The personnel is good. The lines are always good. Um, Micah Parsons who had a nightmare of a game and we're going to get out in a second, um, that they draft elite players. They draft really well. They spend money well. The way they built their roster this year is smart. Coaching and everything else beyond that. The roster, literally on paper, the, the definition of paper tigers, on paper they are fantastic. And then everything else, the hundred of little edges that you need over the course of a season, they have very few of them. And I think you make three calls. Actually, you make four calls. Excuse me. The first person you call is Pete Carroll. Because Pete Carroll is one of the best coaches of his era. And he is currently in possession of a better proof of concept than Bill Belichick. And he has shown, he does not, even though he has a ton of power in Seattle, even though he had a ton of power in Seattle, Still got along well with the GM. It wasn't a Pete-focused operation as New England had become with Belichick. Second person I would call is Nick Saban. One of the greatest coaches in the history of football. Bad rap in Miami. The reason he left, and I saw some people say today that, because I said this on Twitter, and people say, well, he couldn't relate to millionaire athletes. That is not what happened. He left the college game 
because he felt he couldn't control his own destiny once he once the doctor said he couldn't sign Drew Brees. And he said, everything, if you do everything right in the NFL, you may not win, which is 100% true. Um, whereas in college, he knew if you do everything right, you get the five stars, you get the national championships, you cook. Draft for agency, all that stuff makes it a little bit uh, muddy, muddled, let's say, muddied. Um, so I, I Saban would work. And by the way, by the way, you're not doing anything. The job I just entailed, you're not doing anything except it's establishing a culture and getting these guys to maximize their talent. That's all you're doing. And third one would be Belichick. So you go one, two, three. I know these are old guys, but this is a quick fix job. The talent is there. You're not trying to start from scratch. You don't need an evaluator. You don't need a Jimmy Johnson, 1989, who's the best talent evaluator in the history of football. You need, I guess Ozzie Newsom's up there, but what's, that's a different show. But from a coaching perspective, Jimmy Johnson's the best talent evaluator of all time. So you go through those three. Do they want the job? Do they want the job with what you know? The one thing I don't want Jerry Jones to do is to lie and say things are going to change. Things are not going to change. So what they need to do is call Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones, call these guys and say, "I, we're going to have our own screwed up system. Do you want to? Do you want to be in our ecosystem? Do you want to be in our orbit?" And if they say yes, let's go ahead. Then turn over the keys, turn over the roster, turn over the locker room, let them cook, build a culture. Call those three guys. If they all say no, the most realistic option then becomes Mike Vrabel. I saw a couple people say age wise doesn't line up. I just don't understand what they think this job is. I It would be great to have a coach. And I love Rabel. It would be great to have a coach for 20 years. But they need to figure out what's going on with this roster. They need to figure out, um, is this, have they, go, have they gotten to the end of the line with Dak? Should they do something with Dak? I think the takes on Dak are way too early. I saw people saying he should be Mike McDaniel Stafford. Like the, he should get traded to the, Dolphins were about three to four years away from from considering that. Let's just see what happens with the contract. But still, um, they should give them another contract, give them another regime. They have, even though they win a bunch of games, they just still, they're not giving him. Mike McCarthy was a bad hire. He was a bad hire and a bad coach. And I can't. it was a baffling hire at the time. The way he orchestrated the narrative around what he was doing in his year off was proven to be a little bit, um, not a little bit, and it was kind of fabricated, like the analytics stuff, all that stuff. He didn't, he's not an analytics coach. He did not grow during his time away. Um, what it sounds like he did was watch a bunch of football when he was away, which is, by the way, what most coaches do, because as I said earlier, most coaches really love football, and I'm sure Mike does too. But Anyway, um, I threw out earlier um, what the most embarrassing loss, what the most embarrassing game of game was of all time, and I, I was getting some old ones. I'm just I'm just gonna throw that out. Let's say like I, st- I think I started to watch following football in 1997. I think that's line of demarcation. Reason being is like I remember the Broncos Jaguars game, but I wasn't really like locked in on the significance of it. I remember people being like, holy crap, like the Broncos are 
crap in the bed. But I don't remember being like, oh, whoa, I can't believe they, you know, they got blown off the line like that. I don't remember anything about that game except people were reacting to it. Doesn't necessarily square with because at the college game, I was much more engaged, like the Florida State Virginia game, the Thursday night game where they're the first ACC loss. And we're being locked in on that game and just totally shocked. And then, like, I think I had to go to bed and maybe snuck the score in, whatever, later. Like, that was, I remember that. So I don't know. Listen, when you're a kid, you end up doing weird crap and you just, some things resonate with you, some don't. So let's just say 1997. That's the beginning. Um, I think the most embarrassing. Games number one is twenty eight to three. Nothing will ever be more embarrassing than twenty eight to three. Horrible. And in fact, I was thinking about this just randomly over the weekend because I had said on a couple of different shows that the the Jets, Aaron Rodgers Monday night game. I said that was the worst thing that's ever happened to a fan base. Just from an emotional release standpoint, they they finally get their quarterback. They Aaron Rodgers comes in and in the first drive he goes down and he just doesn't play anymore. And then he goes, you know, the, the whole thing unravels from there. It's second. Nothing is worse than 28 to 3. And almost weirdly it gets lost except among Falcons fans. Um, nothing is worse than that. So number one, that's the number one most embarrassing game of all time. Number two, Marino's last game, 62 to 7 against the Jaguars. A lot of Jaguars playoff talk here. A lot of Jaguars playoff talk. 1999. Um, I know people who were in that locker room and they said that it was so bad that it was almost like gallows humor in the locker room after because dan knew he was done jimmy johnson knew he was done a lot of jimmy on this show too um and it was just kind of like what that was the worst thing it's that we could possibly had happen and and i don't i don't don't think it was it like went beyond devastation to like "Eh, what are you gonna do but the reason and like there's been a bunch of road blowouts like vikings giants was all bad um there's been a couple of those. We're just not competitive in title games or and certainly in Super Bowls, all that stuff. Broncos, Seahawks, that was just Broncos running into a buzzsaw. The reason I think this is the third most embarrassing game of my football life is because everybody was waiting to clown the Cowboys, but even the people who were waiting to clown them didn't expect this. Maybe they expected a close loss. Maybe they said, okay, they're going to win this game, but then, boy, they're going to run into, uh, they're going to run into a, a Detroit team and they're going to, they're going to, you know, get wrecked then. Even the people who were waiting around to laugh had their expectations exceeded by the Dallas Cowboys. They do this every year and the collective wisdom was it couldn't possibly happen again. And it not only happened again, it happened worse. Think about all of the awful end-of-game failures they've had under both Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy. And now, think about that getting worse and the play calls being worse and it not even being able to have those failures. It would have been an upgrade if they had another calamity at the end of the fourth quarter to lose that game. That did not happen this time because they got their ass kicked. That's horribly embarrassing. It's a team that, by the way, Bryce Young carved this team up for 30 points. Bryce Young! Who everybody keeps like we have to have do a Bryce Young little aside about how how like we, well he's not that bad we have to do that every single time we bring up Bryce Young and the one game he looked good in this year was against Joe Barry in that defense the seven two game seven C versus two game that could have been an email game has never produced a seven seed winner and in most times not even produced anything you even want to watch and now all of a sudden you're getting your ass kicked by that team. You embarrass yourself. 
Micah Parsons, one pressure on 19 pass rush pass rushes. Lowest pressure in the game of his career. Zach Tom, zero pressures in nine matchups against him. Um, the only this is this is you know, talking about embarrassing. The only this is VNX Gen stats. So helmet sticker for Zach Tom, but Parsons said it's only pressure on an unblocked play. What you literally, the only time you were productive is when someone said, okay, we're just going to let this guy go. I just, I, I don't even know where to begin. That's what, that's what this came down to was the best players played poorly. But if it becomes a pattern of your best players always playing poorly in January, it's a collective thing. And that falls on the head coach that falls on what you do in November and December. Um, you should not play this poorly ever. Um, Jordan Love, this is the story. First of all, I said it a couple weeks ago after the Kansas City game, star is born. I want to talk about that more than the pass interference. I love Jordan Love. I love Matt LaFleur. I love the infrastructure. I love the play action stuff. But the story of the game was the Cowboys did not actually pressure him when they were trying. Um, he... The Cowboys generated four pressures despite blitzing on 10 of 21 dropbacks. Love completed, this is via next stats, Love completed all four passes under pressure for 114 yards and a touchdown. We saw that kind of back foot touchdown that was unbelievable. But this allegedly elite defense, allegedly defensive line, pass rush, that had the horses that we thought was going to be the difference maker. And again, I've said it a million times, momentum is just pass rush and the ability to stop pass rush. That's all it is in football. If you had that, if defense should travel, um, there's just there, there's there's a million reasons why the Cowboys should have played better on Sunday. And there's one reason that they didn't. And I think that's not going to be the problem for very much longer. Why should you bet with Caesar Sportsbook? Two words, Caesar's Rewards. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. It's not just an app, it's an empire. 21 and up must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Or Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Um, all right, I'm going to uh, kind of go back to 
the Lions here because I didn't, I, I had no real conviction on this game, but if somebody, if I was in the studio on Sunday, I would have picked the Rams. Um, and I also think, and I was starting to talk myself into, and I hinted a little bit with Barnwell, I was really going to hype up the Rams as like a team that could maybe even beat the Niners. It, it not, not like 51%, but like, you know, higher than people are talking about. I was wrong. And I think part of this is I thought there'd be, a, I, I thought at some point there'd be a golf disaster class. And the one thing, going back to the belief thing, the one thing I've heard consistently from people in Detroit is that they never saw him as a stopgap. They were really going to try. It's a pretty good lesson for everybody in, in the league where if you're given a quarterback, I mean, look what the hell is happening with Tampa Bay and Baker Mayfield. Um, same deal, offensive coordinator, probably going to be head coach at some point, Dave Canales. Same with Ben Johnson in Detroit. But, like, give him a platform. Don't get him killed. Give him receivers, and good things can happen. I think it's a great lesson for everybody. The atmosphere was amazing. Uh, the 66-year season ticket holder was amazing. Um, I, As I said earlier, I'm penciling them in for the NFC Championship game. And I'm penciling them in for playing a competitive NFC Championship game. I'm assuming the Niners beat the Packers. I'm also going to pick the, the Niners to win the NFC Championship game. But it's going to be close. This team knows what they're doing. Amon St. Brown is an absolute stud. One of the best players at the position in football. Um, Sean McVay on the Ram side, obviously, I mean, like, Pukunakua, that's that's a different show. Um, the way he was being used, the motion. Um, I, I don't I don't know who possibly, especially since everybody but me plays fantasy football, who would not be on the Pukunakua bandwagon. But uh, everybody knows him now. Uh, the McVeigh game management stuff. I just think that he's. I don't understand end of game scenarios. Not having time. Like I don't understand how these young guys didn't come up playing mad. I just don't understand that. Um, but anyway, th this night is about the Lions. Um, I, I love what the Rams have been able to accomplish this year, and McVeigh should get Coach of the Year votes, and people on the show have made that case before. But this is about the Lions and a team that I think in a franchise that I think every coach hiring cycle, every GM hiring cycle, every time there was a quarterback, I think people kind of rolled their eyes and said, this is not possible. And what it took was a group of people who said, not only is this possible, we're going to make this happen. And there's a difference between saying that, because I'm sure Matt Patricia said that, and building your life around it. But I'm not, I'm not a, um, I guess you call it vibes-based person, right? But I went to those Matt Patricia practices, and Matt Patricia was a bully to the media. He was somebody who, and like, and not in like a, we got a, we got to uh, protect the team kind of way. Like he came in, it's actually kind of funny because it ties to what I said at the beginning. Um, he basically like, he went into reporter's posture when I was there. He said that, um, he's a beat writer. And he said that uh, he was like, you guys don't look like you're ever enjoying this or whatever. You guys don't look like you like your jobs, um, which is funny because I don't think he liked his job as Detroit Lions coach there for a while. Um, the whole thing they were trying to change the culture without being good culture builders. I think that's the point. Um, and Jim Caldwell's had some success there. Jim Schwartz was, was okay there, but it was going to take a Titanic effort. And Dan Campbell 
knew how to do it. Brad Holmes, they figured out what that looked like. They figured out, and I said this at the time, when they made those draft picks, that there's a reason that this this might work. They they know their identity. I'd rather pick guys who are going to fit the identity than just pick the 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 random defensive end, outside linebacker, or cornerback because someone says there's value there. I'd much rather have, and I've said I've said this before, but um, I remember Mark Workentine, who was a uh, NBA executive. I'm going to botch the numbers on this from the story he told because it was 13 years ago, but he's teaching me about the draft. He was just telling me about positional value. And he was like, listen, simple equation. You have a lottery, you, you have the lottery, you have a lottery pick. There's 15 teams in the lottery. Eight of those guys can play. Figure out the eight. And I think sometimes in the draft, we always, there's probably a similar number <laughs> with, uh, with, um, with the NFL, where it's like a certain amount of, of first rounders can play, a certain amount of guys who reach the threshold of height, weight, speed to be in the first round, character. Um, I believe Bill Belichick's talked about that, where he says basically, um, uh, you know, the, the first round guys are supposed to have no flags, and then second round, a couple flags, third round, fourth round, that's when you start getting into either the extremely high character guys with football problems or the uh, extremely good football players with off the field flags, right? It's a different scenario. Um, but I think what the Lions have gotten good at is saying, these are the guys who can play. Let's take them. We saw it. Congrats to the Lions. Nobody deserves it more. All right, Flynn, we have a couple questions. We do. First, we're going to hear it from Paul, who wants to know if Packers defensive coordinator Joe Barry saved his job today. Yeah, great question, Paul. Um, I hope not. And, and that's nothing personal against Joe Barry. It's just we have a big old sample size that Joe Barry is not the guy who's going to unlock a lot of these pieces on the defense. And I just don't – I think Matt LaFleur is smart enough. He's a very loyal guy. We've seen that. But I think he's smart enough to not let a Cowboys implosion – that's what this was – impact the entirety of the 2024 season. I think he probably looked over to that sideline and said, this team has no idea what it's doing right now. And we're not going to use a referendum to Joe Barry's job. All right, what's next? Next, we have Jeremy. Does Kirk Cousins play for the Lions next year? All right, so a lot of quarterback discourse in the on the past twenty four hours, and I mentioned the thing about Stafford. Excuse me, uh, like who's going to be? I think Charles McDonald was the first person who said who's going to be McDaniel's. McDaniel Stafford, Stafford, Stafford. He has a staffer now, many. Um, and I think that it's going to be two for the next couple of years. Dak's not going to be available. Kirk Cousins is going to be too costly with some of the other pieces that they have. Um, and again, I, th- I think he said he kind of wanted to go back to Minnesota. Um, but I'd be very careful about moving off of the Jared Goff experience unless there's an absolute home run. They're not going to have a good enough draft pick. Let's see what shakes free in sort of the um, the top of the draft situation because I don't know who you're going to get that's better. Who's going to shake free here? Who's getting older? And also, you end up running the risk of becoming Indianapolis and you think you're upgrading and then all of a sudden you get on this weird quarterback Ferris wheel where you've got Philip Rivers, Matt Stafford, Carson Wentz, and you're just trying to plug holes with big swings. It's a really, 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 really bad idea to move on without an absolute upgrade, and I don't know who that's going to be. Now, there was no real obvious 
move there, like when 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 the Lions regime got hired, it wasn't assumed until a couple of weeks into it, a couple at least a week or so, that Stafford was going to get traded. Then it moved very very quickly. We know the story about the Cabo and both the Niners and the Rams trying to get Stafford, all that stuff. Maybe something like that happens. I'd have to go through the league and and see what's a possibility there, but I I just don't see a guy like that shaking free anytime soon. So I'm rolling with golf. I'm signing him to a new contract. I'd love to try to keep the numbers down, but I just don't think that's possible. So um, just, just keep it moving. I mean, the, the vibes are high. And, and as I said, like this team has its identity. And for right now on January 15th, 2024, Jared Goff is part of that identity. Um, all right. We're going to be back on Monday night. We were not going to do a Monday night episode, but then the weather in Western New York, where I am not, it's actually, it's very cold here in uh, Southern New York, but I don't, uh, I don't see any frozen hurricane yet. Um, the weather had other plans. It was two games on Monday. We will see you tomorrow night. Then as a matter of housekeeping, our normal episode will be up on Wednesday, which as it almost always is two awesome guests, one former player, one broadcaster. I think we have another broadcaster coming to you on Friday's episode. Thank you to Flynn. Thank you to miles. Enjoy the holiday. Uh, I will see you guys tomorrow.